Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Outgrows Marketer of the Month. I'm your host, Dr. Saksham Sharda. I'm the creative director at outgrow.co. And for this month, we're going to interview Farooq Heplevent, who is a founder and CEO of The Scope, which is a CGI studio. Thanks for joining us, Farooq. Thanks for having me. So Farooq, we're going to start with a rapid fire round. Just to break the ice, you get three passes. In case you don't want to answer the question, you can just say pass, but try to keep your answers to one word or one sentence only, okay? All right. All right, so the first one is, at what age do you want to retire? Uh, Not at all. Okay. How long does it take you to get ready in the mornings? Uh, 45 minutes. Most embarrassing moment of your life? Uh, My father-in-law... checking something medical on me before the wedding favorite color uh blue what time of day are you most inspired early evening how many hours of sleep can you survive on eight to nine fill in the blank an upcoming cinematic trend is blank Mm. Or you can say CGI trend is blank. Um, Just producing an upcoming CGI trend, just producing everything inside a game engine is uh, unsustainable, I think. Okay. The city in which the best kiss of your life happened? Oh, in Hamburg. Pick one. Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk? Zuckerberg, interestingly enough. The biggest mistake of your career? Uh, There are so many, I don't know. The first one that comes to mind. Um, But you can also pass, it's okay. (laughs) Okay, next one is how do you relax? Uh, I go for walks. How many cups of coffee do you drink per day? 10 plus. A habit of yours that you hate? I smoke, I wouldn't say I hate it. The most valuable skill you've learned in life? Patience. Your favorite Netflix show? Uh, Ozark. One word description of your leadership style? Uh, Personal. Top priority in your daily schedule? Pass. A memorable career milestone. Um, first launch we produce in full CG. Okay. Well, that's the end of the rapid fire round. Uh, <laughs> you only had two pass and a one pass, so that was very good. And now we can go on to the long form questions, which you can answer with as much time and ease as you like. Okay. The first one is, uh, can you describe how you got involved in the world of CGI automotive content creation at The Scope? Um, My heritage is car photography or photography. So I learned photography as an apprentice um, assistant with photographers here in Hamburg and then internationally and... um, was working as a car photographer for quite a while and then CGI came into the car 
photography world pretty early, 2005, 2006, because the car manufacturers started using CGI as a production tool very early and essentially I lost a job because of CGI. And then I was like, well, I need to take a look at this. Uh, why I lost a job to CGI, started researching it. And during that time, my family was growing and I was uh, getting a bit tired of traveling a lot because car photographers essentially are like sailors. They're on, out about six months out of the year. And, you know, with young children, family growing, you know, CGI looked interesting. I started Scope Studio first working on retouching things and then, you know, eventually getting into CGI. Um, but that was the reason why CGI essentially came, well, in my awareness. So essentially you reskilled. At what point in your career did you have to reskill into CGI, you'd say? Um, well, reskilled or, you know, from my perspective, um, the, you know, the job, you know, losing a job to CGI obviously was, uh, you know, something that got my attention, but looking at it, <clears throat> I also saw a lot of opportunity and creative opportunity. And this is also one of the things we're saying it's, you know, creativity leads what we do in technology. So trying to achieve photorealism, uh, being very quick with these things, getting to a point where you are, you know, competing with a real shoot, uh, which was, you know, delusional in 2007, let's say everything was very, very slow, but, um, we always knew that technology is moving towards us, right? So it's going to get better. It's going to get faster. You know, Moore's Law, um, the market growing, people specializing. It was somewhat clear that that is going to happen. Um, and within the whole market space, we decided to be in the, uh, not so much on, you know, replicating cars very quickly and being very strong in a pipeline and scaling, but more on the creative side of things, so lighting, location built, which essentially by now is what makes us strong for launch projects, for example, you know, being able to build locations. And to what extent do you think now AI engines are going to revolutionize this field again, if at all? Uh, they will revolutionize it. I, you know, what we see and what I believe is with all new technology, like Photoshop back in the day, then uh, CGI and now AI it develops much faster. But what it usually does is um, it eats the market from below, right? So it's like everything that is, um, you know, fairly cheap, in the market already, then AI is even cheaper uh, or it makes it faster. But it, at the same time, it helps people um, to do things that they have not done before. So non-customers or non-users become users. Uh, and I, you know, I use myself as an example. I'm a very bad copywriter. I, you know, I, I don't enjoy writing very much. And 
Um, and we looked into AI starting 2018 because AI, which then was more called machine learning in our world, um, has a lot of interesting things that we can use to create locations. It helps us, you know, machines do work that are tedious for people. We always follow the idea saying, if a machine can do it cheaper and do the boring work for the smart people, then let's use that, right? Let's automate it so to get back time for actual creative work. So we've been looking at it and using it for a very long time. And I did that for myself with copywriting. I use, now they're called Jasper, but in the beginning they were called Jarvis, I think. So I love it. It just, you know, when I need to write something that is not my comfort zone, it's a huge help. And I think a lot of people do the same thing with image creation. I don't see, you know, big companies creating backgrounds in AI on scale, but... It's a great tool. Mm -hmm. So the scope is known for its expertise in creating full CGI automotive content. Could you explain what full CGI means? Like, how does it differ from traditional automotive photography and videography? So also the full CGI, it's, it's not one of my favorite terms, but that is the market term that everybody uses. And full CGI refers to... Um, you know, not only the car being created uh, in CGI, which you know, is a digital twin that the manufacturer supplies, but also the location, the sky, essentially everything. The easiest uh, comparison is imagining you're in a photorealistic video game and you use that to create marketing content. This is essentially um, what it boils down to. And so could you provide some examples of specific instances where full CGI has offered advantages over traditional methods in creating automotive content? Well, the main um, advantage and also, you know, that being our core offering is when you do a car launch. So, you know, it's a, it's a new car that is being introduced to the market. Usually you do not have a driving prototype that you want to take out on the street. Um, that used to be the case, you know, like 10, 12 years ago, this is the way it was done, but there was a huge undertaking because, you know, you take the car out on location. So essentially you need to fly the car. Let's just say it's a BMW from Munich. You fly the BMW from Munich to Cape Town or to Los Angeles or to Southern Spain. Then you have people, um, you know, professional drivers driving the car. You have security people protecting the car from being photographed or filmed, which then again limits your range of uh, places that you can shoot in, that you can, you know, times that you can use, especially in cities where you can operate. So, was you know, it's a it makes uh, creating assets, planning shoots very, very complex and difficult. And the moment you take it into a full CGI environment, obviously you don't have to transport the car. Uh, you can run updates on the car, which happens all you know on every launch. You know, there's small design changes last minute, so you can react to those. 
um, you control the light. So if you say, I want sunset throughout my film, you know, we can basically say, here's the sun, you stay there, right? And now we focus on the camera. So you have full control over the, uh, over the whole production. And compared to VFX, where you have, where you shoot or you do it in 2D pose, being in a full CGI environment in the right system is, you know, you look through the camera on your screen and you set the light and if you like it, you like it and you move on from there, right? You do the animation, all these things, render previews, you can share those with the clients and the clients um, can react to an image instead of parts of an image that you describe with words. So another thing we try to achieve is what you see is what you get. So we show the client a preview render and hope to get feedback either saying, oh, cool, I like this, or it's too bright, it's too dark. Why is the sun from behind? You know, whatever the feedback is, but they can give us feedback feedback on a very high level and they don't need to break it down technically. And we don't have to tell them, oh, you should have told us before we went onto that location. You know, you know things like that. Um, and so they give us that feedback and we execute on that feedback and send them a picture back. And especially with international clients, obviously it helps to bridge any losses in translation that you still might have. And this, this is what makes full CGI production so strong creatively. So could you share some more uh, about the Scope City tech demo? and uh, what it represents for the scope of the CGI industry. Well, the Scope City Tech Demo is, you know, in our view, building a procedural full CG city always was a, was a holy grail of location built. Um, COVID, as much as it was unpleasant, uh, gave us the time and things to do because business, our business suffered through COVID. Um, but, you know, working on, on Scope City, building that tool was great for the team. You know, we make progress uh, and we created something that probably wouldn't have been created in normal production times because, you know, because of COVID, we had long stretches of non-production, you know, financially not so fun, but for this thing was pretty, pretty helpful. And we used the time to solve a lot of technical challenges and put the parts together. And the reaction of, uh, of, of our community was very, um, uh, what's the right word, was, 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 fantastic they were yeah, terrific and positive and supportive um and we published this last november and over summer this year we said okay we realized it's such a great tool and we cannot do all the projects that might you know where scope city might be a fantastic solution for other fellow CG artists. So we said, okay, let's you know find a way to make it available to other people. Worked on that technically, 
so we can share it without, you know, totally giving away all, all the secrets, but still giving artists enough room so they can produce. And, you know, the artists that we shared it with, and this is something that I enjoyed very much. You give somebody a part of a location and they take their creative vision and do something with it that we would have never done because it's not our creative style, but it looks super cool and it's different. So we got encouraged um, to do that more. But you know, in general, Scope City is a software tool, essentially, that we're, you know, planning to share with more and more studios and, and artists as we move along. And are there any future developments or applications stemming from the Scope City tech demo that you're particularly excited about? Well, we had very, very interesting conversations from areas I didn't expect we have, you know, from one big uh, car manufacturer, the design and research and development people reached out and they want to implement it into a uh, simulator that they're using in-house. So we're testing that. We had very interesting conversations with gaming companies, which, you know, we were assuming, you know, they can, they do that themselves anyways. But, um, you know, depending on, on the tier of gaming company, it seems to be a very interesting solution for them to have access to a city building tool. Um, so those, those are the surprising and, and exciting use cases, except for all the car things that we do anyway. So one of your posts mentioned the use of renewable energy and AI algorithms to produce smart footage. Can you elaborate on how these technologies are employed in your production pipeline? Well, AI, um, in, the, in the big picture of things, it's AI, but it's a bit more machine learning, maybe when you want to be very, very precise. Um, the smart footage approach is geared towards studios that you know we we call them garaging studios so there's very large cg studios that have contracts with uh, car manufacturers and they manage and handle all their car data and most of them also do produce images for different use cases and in that area of the market being able to multiply an asset that you already have is very valuable so you, let's say you have a great shot on a coastal road of one car we can deliver that shot as a backplate hdr solution so that the garaging studio just takes another car drops it in renders a version of the car a typical use case is um, you know car color changes and then being more specific to local markets. A good example always is white cars. When you have, you know, in Southern Europe or in every area in the world where it's very warm, you tend to have more white cars. The further north you go, for example, Hamburg is quite far north. The only white cars that we see are uh, craftsmen drive white cars for, for whatever reason. But normal people do not necessarily buy a white car because it's not, you know, your car doesn't heat up. Rarely happens. So you have, starting with the color, you have local uh, preferences. Then you have different trims. Then different markets have different combinations of 
trims and colors or sizes of cars. And, you know, the studios or the OEMs themselves can use smart footage to multiply, you know, fairly standard assets that they need with, with that approach. Sustainable energy uh, has always been something that's, you know, important to us. So in Germany, luckily, uh, it was possible to buy renewable energy you know, from the get-go, I think, from Scope. So we always uh, signed up for renewable energy contracts. So and anything that happens on our machines and servers are, uh, is, um, you know, powered with renewable energy. And that obviously makes it also more sustainable. So if the base is more sustainable, then going forward, you stay more sustainable also in the ecological sense. So you've mentioned before that you've done collaborations with major automotive brands like Toyota, Tesla, and Audi. Uh, can you share some of your most notable projects or achievements in working with these clients? Um, well, I think, you know, working with Tesla, which very few studios were uh, able to because Tesla does a lot of things in-house. So that was, I'm sure that, you know, that's one of, one of the very notable uh, projects that we've managed to, to secure over the years. Um, you know, we've been involved in the very first launch of the EQ, EQ series with Mercedes. That was, um, not a very big project, but a big moment in time, so to speak, when the first big car manufacturer out of Germany said, okay, electricity is starting. I mean, that, that was an interesting sign for, for, for the market uh, and how the European car manufacturers actually, you know, changed their setup uh, towards electric vehicles. Those were, you know, those were, I think, you know, visible big points without being very nerdy about things. <laughs> so in the rapid fire, you mentioned you do prefer Mark Zuckerberg to Elon Musk, but you have worked with Tesla. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's interestingly, um, what I realize, I mean, you know, I think, you know, Musk is feels like, well, every entrepreneur is like, oh yeah, Musk, Musk, Musk. He's a very smart person. Both of them are incredibly smart, I believe. But it's um, what astonished me is the turnaround that Zuckerberg or Meta, let's put it that way, managed with the virtual reality things. Because I'm I, I'm not sure if you've seen the demo lately. You know what they and because you know the original things in their metaverse, people without legs and most horrible things visually that I encounter, you know, it's like people don't have legs and they look like, I don't know, the worst animations you can come up with. And you think, well, I guys have so much money and it doesn't look great. It's like the people, I mean, so, but the turnaround they managed to put, you know, uh, and get it to a point where I'm like, oh, this is interesting. You know, this could be, could be something. Um, I was very impressed by that. That's why I picked Zuckerberg on that question. So to what extent is the metaverse going to revolutionize what you're doing with CGI, if at all? Um, 
Well, I think the metaverse is here. It's also interesting and it was so uh, hyped and everybody was looking for the metaverse and nobody could find it. And then you had <laughs> similar things. You know, then we had the NFTs and now we have AI. Um, and, you know, for me, the metaverse uh, is what's, you know, the things that are happening on, on Roblox, on uh, Fortnite, that is the metaverse, right? It is, and you have NVIDIA creating what they call the Omniverse, which has big use cases in industrial applications. I know for, you know, there is, there is a case study from NVIDIA where BMW is using 3D models of a factory to simulate workflows within a factory, train robots. And if I remember correctly, they said they achieved a 30% efficiency upgrade or whatever they, they call it just by simulating everything. Um, the metaverse uh, is a place where you have goggles and you play a game. Yes, that will happen. But I don't think that is the most important area of the metaverse. You know, when you use it in architecture or, you, you know, they use it in maintenance, architecture maintenance. You know where the pipes are. Instead of drilling a hole into a pipe, you know, there's a pipe and you don't drill the hole there. Very, very useful things. You know? <laughs> I don't know, creating, designing kitchens, designing interiors. And the development also there, the speed is very interesting and it's going to be a bigger part of our lives. And maybe like, um, you know, originally the QR codes, right? When they came out, people were making fun of it because nobody was using it. And then... The moment if you, I think Apple made it easy to use them both. They're everywhere. They're helpful and they're good, right? So I think something like that is going to happen with AR, mixed reality. Um, and that is maybe what we're going to be calling the metaverse. But again, I, I think it is here if you define the metaverse as an online place where people interact with each other because this is what online gaming does and now it's becoming more industrial in regards to what it means to us um, if the power of the computing power for the online gaming becomes stronger which it does we probably will be able to license some of our locations into applications that you know, live in a 3D uh, internet, starting with the car manufacturers, hopefully, because they are our clients. But again, you know, it could be um, other clients that say, oh, I need a city, right? I need a landscape. And instead of building it themselves, developing it themselves, uh, our hope is that they will come to us and license the locations or have it, you know, built for them. We supply the locations and another company, you know, does the interaction, the, uh, user interface and all these things. So we see more and more specialization, very difficult word for me. Uh, and that's going to accelerate. There's going to be more of it.
nobody will be doing everything themselves. They'll be buying parts, I think. So what have been your key takeaways and lessons uh, from collaborating with such prominent clients in the automotive industry? Um, well, I think so for production, um, the interesting thing is the higher you are in the, within a, in a big system. So when you do a launch, you connect with in a sea level or, or the environment of sea level. You do get better decision, decisions faster because people, you know, the actual decision makers look at the things and, and call the shots. Um, if you do a more normal project with large car manufacturers, you just need more time because it's going through more layers of management. The decisions are, are delayed. Um, but yeah, you know, as we feel, we get, uh, very clear and, um, helpful decisions when we, you know, talk to top tier people. Yeah. So in your recent past, you discussed Unreal Engine's pricing model changes for non-game developers. How do you see these changes affecting the CGI industry, especially in the context of automotive content creation? That's very interesting. That that post got a lot of reactions, which I, I, essentially I was really just asking because we're not using Unreal ourselves, really. So we're looking into translating the city in unreal because other studios are using it they ask for it um and everybody that i know was like oh unreal is great it's for free you can do this you can do that and when that news came out i was like wow that what does it mean for you guys so essentially this is what i tried tried to find out for the biggest studios it doesn't make a huge difference i found out because there were you know they already had enterprise contracts or something like that. I'm not sure if it um, will, you know, the lead to single artists, smaller studios, not working with it so much anymore because you know they need to pay the license. Then again, it's uh, we need to we need to wait and find out how much the license is going to be. And they already had some uh, updates where they say, oh, only when you make money with it, you need to buy a license. So it, is, it is a bit unclear how they're going to, going to manage it. Um, but in a way, up to now, they were you know, winning market share within the marketing automotive world by obviously being being for free and people could use it and there was a lot of buzz about it. All in all, I think the automotive market or the enterprise market, uh, as it seems to be, maybe is not as lucrative or, um, well, it, it, it's very support heavy. I'm sure about that because it's, you know, car manufacturers, they, um, you know, I spent a half hour talking about the reflection on the wheel, right? It's like, you know, if you imagine that happening on a software level, you go crazy. So you don't think the pricing will influence the accessibility and adoption of CGI in various industries? Um, it doesn't seem so because, uh, you know, they had that 
news out, but they say, well, if you're not using it commercially, you can still use it for free, which you know will make it available for for single artists and. You know, the pricing, let's say for us as a studio, if we were to use it, obviously it's a pricing question, right? If you switch pipelines, you know, is it worth switching from one pipeline to the other? Why would I do that if I have to pay the same amount of money? And, um, you know, the tools that I'm using right now are working just fine, right? So, but again, it's like with Unreal, I think their developer community is seven and a half million people. So, and it's not automotive people, right? <laughs> it's, it's game developers. So, um, maybe the enterprise push that they have done there, I, you know, obviously I don't know the numbers, but maybe it turned out it's better to invest more money in Fortnite or, you know, they have this, um, thing that people can publish islands on Fortnite and they give you a, a share, revenue share. That's obviously more interesting to them than selling licenses to automotive studios, I guess. Just case. All right, so coming back to the scope then, what can we expect to see from the scope in the near future? Like, are there any exciting projects or developments in the horizon that you can share about? Well, what we're most excited about is, um, that we you know, came to the came to the conclusion it's um, sharing is caring, so we're going to start sharing our locations and interact, you know, more with the uh, CG community and start start offering our locations for licensing, which you know until now we have not done that because it was. One of the reasons why people came and worked with us because we had the location. Um, but we also realized we enjoy building locations and it's, um, and with certain things, when you do it yourself, it feels easy because you've been doing it for such a long time. But for somebody else, even if you explain everything, it's still, uh, is, is difficult. Um, so we think we can be very helpful to, to other artists, other studios, and also find a revenue stream that is um, based on something we really enjoy doing and we're good at. And it starts with the city, but goes down to you know, a nice coastal road. Sounds simple, but to have a really good coastal road that you can you know, rely on and you know, you're going to get the shots and it's built so that the car gets good light. This is what we're good at. And so this is, you know, launching that or introducing that is, is, is the next best, next big thing that we're working on. All right. So the last question for you is of a personal kind. What would you be doing in your life if not this right now? That's a very interesting question. Um, I don't know. Actually, because I'm doing what I wanted to do, it's not... Uh, um, no, I would be, I, there is nothing where I feel, I mean, there is obviously ups and downs. Uh, it's, it's a company, right? It's, it's reality, but, um, I kind of build it and found the right people to actually be like, oh, let's go build a city. You know, it's like, you know, it's, 
And it was not a very business-driven decision uh, up to a point, yes, but essentially it was more like, oh, can we do it? You know, is it possible? And you know, let's do it. And let's figure it out. And, um, you know, doing that with the team is fun. And now talking to more to the CG community, I think is also something that I started enjoying quite a bit uh, instead of just being like, ah, oh, it's, it's what we do. So being more open, which is you know, new, getting old, different. Hmm? <laughs> All right, well, that sounds like a great position to be in. Uh, well, thanks everyone for joining us for this month's episode of Outgrow's Marketer of the Month. That was Farouk Heplevent, who's the founder and CEO of The Scope, which is a CGI studio. Thanks for joining us, Farouk. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Check out their website for more details and we'll see you once again next month with another Marketer of the Month.